Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another Disjolted Confusion Thursday Night Hangout. Yo, it's Thursday here, down where we live, where we do the thing with the podcast, with the people about the games. Yes, yes. Ladies and gentlemen, of course, I am your host, Charlie, and I'm joined once again by the political counter himself, Zelios. It's good to see you at this 8 o'clock Eastern, 7 o'clock Central. Yes, yes. Ladies and gentlemen, this, of course, is the Thursday Hangout. This is a live show, weekly show where we try our best to cover the topics most important to you during the show. If you haven't had a chance yet to submit your topic or your question, have no fear. You can, at any point during the show, drop it into the chat, be it on Facebook, on YouTube, or on Twitch, and we will try to cover it with you during this week's show. If we, unfortunately, do run out of time, we will add it to the, to the list of topics for the very next show. So without further ado, let us get into it. And the first one, this is not going to be this big of a, that big of a surprise, but uh, the United Kingdom has a problem with the Microsoft merging with or taking over Activision Blizzard. What? Why would that be, sir? Yes, uh, antitrust stuff. Antitrust? You don't trust me to not treat it improperly? Whatever are you talking about, sir? What they're trying to say it is that they think that it's a power move and that, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, it is a power move. It's, it's called consolidation. Everyone's doing it today. It's so, like, in vogue, man. It's like we got to pump more profits out for the bean counters to give to the rich people because if the rich people can't buy more yachts, then what's the point of owning companies, sir? Touche. No, the of course we knew, and this was gonna this was gonna happen. I mean, I'm surprised that the U.S. didn't didn't make that big of a, a stink about it. Are you really surprised? It. Are you really surprised that the U.S. didn't make that big of a stink about it? Well, I guess industry. it depends on. Um, they don't give a shit about the video games. I don't think they give. I don't. Oh, I'm, nope, not gonna go there. <laughs> not gonna go there. Zeely someone's got me to say something that would have been bad. Bad to the bone, sir. Bad to the bone. So yes, they are. Uh, they're now entering the court. I'm not exactly sure how far they've gotten so far, but is, is this, that what Microsoft makes the Emmy empty promises that they aren't actually held like accountable to? You mean what what Activision de- does? Well, you know, who knows? I don't know. Well, I guess yeah. In this case, yes. Um, but uh, but here's the thing, okay. So th- this is two North American companies. They could, if they're being investigated by, and, and I wish I had a legal expert right now because maybe they they could help me out with this. But you should get your video game degree in law, sir. You can learn about the all this fun stuff. I'm sure it exists. Oh no, I mean, well, it would all it would be all about uh, copyright and antitrust and stuff. And I'm sure that there's lawyers out there who probably know this. This information, but but it's in a North American company. Yes, they they're they're you know they they globally do shit. But does a country outside the U.S. actually have any control over this merger? That's my question. That's actually a really good question. I don't know the answer. I mean, I guess in a hypothetical situation, even if they didn't technically have control, and the U.K. didn't like what they did, they could, I guess not allow sales of Blizzard Activision Microsoft products? Stomp around and, and throw a hissy fit? I mean, what what, what well, power does a foreign do they nation use, have? I'm curious, do they use Ireland as a tech haven? Because I know a lot of big U.S. companies 
basically use Ireland as their tax haven. Amazon does it. Um, Is that like the new Caymans? Yes. It's basically because they have like a super low like tax. Well, no, Caymans is because like I don't think they gave a shit what you did. Where like Ireland, you can make money disappear. It's like corporate taxes is what it is. Okay, let me, let me, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to pull the information up on another computer here. Um, see if I can get additional information. Let's see. Uh, Steel is anti-competitive. Well, okay. Is it anti-competitive? No. I, mean, I would argue yes, it can be because now the more consolidation you get it's anti-competitive in that you're not incentivized as much to innovate when you own all the products in an ecosystem but that's what eare does yeah but it doesn't make it right i know but i'm gonna say why is an ea in court then because it already happened i know and they're just like "Ah." i mean part of it might also just be that like it's just like an obligatory oversight where it's like Two big mergers, I mean, two big companies coming together for a merger, it just brought, might just trigger by default to have a insight into it to see what the heck is going on. Yeah, I, yeah, I guess it's just, I, you know, I'll, I'll have to, I guess I'll poke around and, and find out. Um, I think I actually, I, I might actually know someone that has more information they I, I won't be able to reach them right now but um but yeah interesting uh, maybe maybe i'll write up an article about it later um but let's let's change gears for just a second let's talk about something really cool and expensive uh if you have if you just happen to have 269 dollars and 99 cents lying around may i recommend get it out of my litter box uh, may I recommend uh, the newly announced Lego um, set with a whopping 2,807 pieces. Ladies Ooh. and gentlemen, it is a massive King Bowser, which is set to be released on October the 1st. Nice. And this thing looks sweet. I'm not I'm not gonna lie. It's got Bowser on like a you build a, uh, a, a like a thin kind of stand with uh, two Bowser pillars with flames coming out of both of them. Lego flames, not real flames. We just you're not gonna burn down a house. Very necessary, sir. But it looks cool. I'm not gonna lie, it looks cool. Maybe you're onto something. Maybe you should get one and you could like build it as a part of your show. Uh, do do a craft build? Yeah, I think that actually be kind of cool, man. Yeah, why not? Um, I guess in other release news, and this is just for, I guess, a specific type of nerd. Um, there once upon a time was a film student who decided to make a black and white film at a convenience store in his in his local hometown in New Jersey, and that started a hell of a directing career for a gentleman by the name of Kevin Smith. Uh, the and that movie, of course, was called Clerks. 
Now you fast forward. Uh, that was in 1994. Uh, you now fast forward to 2022, and Clerks 3 trailer has finally released, and it's basically making the meta go full circle. And I have it to say, I will be watching much. this. I'll be watching it. I don't know if I saw the second one, not going to lie. You bastard. He would probably call me one. This is true. Now, I, I will fully admit, I don't know if I've actually seen every single one of Kevin Smith's directed movies, but all of his main stuff I've seen. So I'll have to watch Clerks 3. I've seen some of the older stuff, but I probably haven't seen anything in the last many, many years, to be honest. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, Mallrats, Dogma, Chasing Amy, and then um, Clerks, Clerks 2, Clerks the Animated series. I've seen like three of those. Dogma, Chasing Amy, and Mallrats? Uh, yeah, probably. I sell the first Clerks. I'm okay, so sure. there, you got four. Okay, well, there you go. They're all part of the same universe, damn it. It's the original expanded universe. Ta-da! It's the Silent Bob. Oh, shit. Oh, God, forgot about the... Spoiler alert! The Jay and Silent Bob movies, which I've seen oh. all of them. Okay, yes, I've definitely seen at least one of those. Have you seen the Strike Back one? No, I've only seen the first one, I'm pretty sure. Okay, well, they're, they're phenomenal as well. I mean, well, you know, whatever. But... um. Did they say when it's actually going to be released? I don't know if they actually. I mean, they they they're bringing back. Of course, they've got tons of um, uh, cameos. Uh, Sounds right. As as they always do. Unfortunately, Stan Lee won't be there, and neither will. Um, oh my gosh, I hate myself right now. Uh, George Carlin. George Carlin was a huge fan of Kevin Smith, and any time that Kevin Smith could get him into a film, George Carlin was up for it. Mm. They could always CGI them in. That would be creepy. Uh, Not gonna lie. I agree. It would be yes. This is very true. Not gonna lie. I I just speaking of CGI, um, I'm not gonna give. I, I'm. This is not really a spoiler. Uh, in the um. The Disney Plus series, uh, The Book of Boba Fett, there is one episode where you have young Luke, uh, the Jedi, teaching another individual, and it is it's Mark Hamill is not there. It's it's completely CGI onto a double. And it it, it it's kind of creepy. Not gonna lie. It, it looks there there are times where you're like, okay, yeah, it looks like, you know, um, uh, the Empire Strikes Back, uh, Luke. But at the same time, there are other times you're like, oh, sends shivers down my spine. You know what we need is another, um, shoot, what is the spoof version of it? What, Spaceballs? Spaceballs. Like, the good spoof movies. That's what, we, that's what we've been missing. Not like an 18th scary movie that's just terrible but actual true originality and amazing cinema so another galaxy quest i would take another like rendition of robin hood men and tights oh you want another mel brooks movie yeah that's what you want yes oh 
True good parodies. Yes. Yes. Not just trash that they're churning out for more eyeballs. I'm not sure anybody actually watches, but I guess somebody does because they keep making them. Well, yeah, because, well, it's cheap laughs. I mean, that's really what it is. True. And I imagine they can't, the, as they go on and on, they're probably not costing a whole lot to produce, I'd imagine. No. Uh, no. But. Speaking of meta, I don't know if you saw, but the Quest will no longer require a Facebook account. You can now use a generic meta account, not requiring Facebook access at all. I wonder if that I wonder if that was because of a lawsuit. Oh no, this was literally just announced like this afternoon. Cause I you know, it if it, it would feel to me like that, you know, forcing someone to have a Facebook account, which technically you don't need to have you shouldn't need to have. Well, it's also like especially if you're like under thirteen with COPA laws and you're yeah. a whole lot of like weird just things going on with social media. It, it seems like it would benefit from a legal and liability perspective. It would just make life a lot simpler on meta in general to just be able to have a generic, I mean, it's still tied to the meta universe because it's a meta account. Yeah. It's not like they're just being like, use any account. I mean, they're still getting all the ID crap to advertise to your eyeballs. That's not going anywhere. Um, but at least you don't have to log into Facebook to manage that potentially now if you want the Oculus, which from a hardware perspective is still pretty rad. Uh, but understandably so, people were staying away of it because you had to have a Facebook account tied to it. Yeah. It, it just see it, it just the when they announced that it just seemed weird. It it's kind to be honest with you, it, it kind of reminded me of like in order to get online, you had to log into AOL. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. I mean, it's. I think it's also a situation of they're in their own little universe, where of course everybody's going to want to log into Facebook because everybody has a Facebook account. So why wouldn't they just use that to access our system, right? It's Big Brother, man. As soon as you log in, they're like, oh, well, you're playing this game for how long? But then oh, again, that's what know. Steam does all the time. Oh, I mean, whatever we chat about every week on the show, guess what I see in my um, advertisement history for the next week? Yeah. They, they listen to us. It's creepy, oh. man. Speaking of Steam, how did, how did, we, how did we fare? The Steam sale is done. It's gone. It's, it, was, it was over yesterday. I've turned off Steam sale notifications a while ago, not going to lie. Uh, Did you actually open up Steam and buy something is nope. the question. I, I resisted the urge and temptation. Um, I'm good. I've got still a slew of PS5 games I got to play. So, nope, I'm good. I somehow resisted the urge. What about you? One, two, three, four, five, <laughs> six, seven, eight games. But let's be honest, you also play a lot more number of games than I do. Like, I stick very heavily to, like, playing a lot of hours, like in Final Fantasy fourteen, for instance. Or, like, I spend a lot of hours in single games, which no. kind of precludes me from purchasing a whole lot of games. Now, so I will fully play. admit, 
Uh, let me let me let me. Okay, so I said eight games, right? I will st- I will state for the record that out of those eight, seven have been sitting on my wish list forever, and it was just because they dropped. There's only one purchase that was a true Steam sale. Well, where the fuck? Let's do it. Which game was that? Um. Oh my gosh! I just, uh, I just saw it. Uh, Endless Space Two. Because I have, I have endless, I have like endless space one, endless dungeon, endless. There's a ton of endless. All the endlesses are yours. Yeah, basically. Let's see. Hold on. Endless. Let me look at uh, dungeon of the endless, endless legend, uh, endless space, and endless space two. Nice. Yes. So I own that now. With all of the expansions. At oh, a reasonable you have price. To get the super pack. You can't just get the Yeah, you can't just DVD. get the base game. Come on, no, man. Nobody does that anymore. But I haven't started playing that one yet because I've been spending all my time on two games. One was recognized recommended by uh, our amazing chiropractor friend, uh, uh, Dr. Ryan. And that of course is Neon White, which is like a like a speed running shooter game where you you're basically, it's kind of like you have to run an obstacle course. Hmm. Uh, and the levels are, can be completed, like each level could be completed in under a minute. Some of them could be completed in 15 seconds. Um, but it's all about timing. Of course, you're trying to get, but you, the first run, you don't really have to worry about time, though I, of course, stress the fuck out about time. I'm, I'm like, I've never seen this level before. Let's see how fast I could do it. Instead of like, you know, taking in everything. And then, of course, there's replayability for each of the levels. And, of course, it doesn't hurt that the main character is voiced by Steve Blum. So, yeah. It's all wind there, sir. It's interesting. You're a demon or you're you're a neon, uh, which I guess is like a a sinner. There we go. You're a sinner who's been uh, invited into heaven, but you have to wear these masks they're basically like a failsafe. You you screw around in heaven, they blow you up. The masks, <laughs> if you if you take the mask off, they blow you up. Um, and but they've got they've got like an infestation of demons. So each of these levels, you have to kill the demons and get from from the start to the finish. Uh, the the deem after you kill all the demons, the uh, the exit will open. And there's a little bit of a card mechanic to it, like you have to collect cards, and the cards will allow you to do other attacks. Uh, or special moves that are required that you have to do to get through the level. That's something. It is intense. Not gonna lie, it is intense. And of course, the replayability is that once you play through the first time, they they open up uh, the ability to get um, social gifts that you can give to uh, other individuals, other neons, be it neon scarlet, neon violet, or neon yellow. Or is it neon red? I think it's neon red. Neon red, violet, and yellow. And that basically allows you, like, you can open up more story. There's, you know, there's that relationship building piece to it. Oh, so playing the oh, shit yeah. out of that, and then, then then I had to try Tiny Tina's Wonderland. How's that? So good. Just imagine if Tiny Tina were to be your DM in a really like Borderlands, Tiny Tina fucked up world. <laughs> and that's what that it sounds, is. 
a little bit too intense for me, sir. She 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 is basically the narrator, and she'll add her you know her little quips and stuff, and then you have uh, two other, I guess, uh, players who are who technically they're they're sitting with you during the game, but you don't actually see them. They're basically there to give advice. And, and I did some research because I was interested because I was like, man, these voices sound familiar. Uh, one of them is voiced by and- Andy Samberg. Uh, and the other one is voiced by Wanda Sykes. So great comic go. relief nice. <laughs> on top of Tiny Tina's craziness. Oh, and the bad guy is voiced by Will Arnett. So... That sounds like all winning combinations to me. It, it is, and and you know it's like fantasy role playing, but Tina Tina needs needs to have explosions, guns, and uh, what was it? Um, she she uh, to get through one place, she's like you have to place the C four on these catapults, and Wanda Sykes' character goes C four. That's not really fantasy. She goes fine. Uh, you have to put uh, the fantasy four on. <laughs> It's great. It I, I I've, it is quite humorous. And then the 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 enemies that you have to kill, their their voice tracks, um, their you know the little things when they're dying. Oh no, I'm dying again. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's so sad. But anyways, great game. Both of those are great games. Uh, the neon white game though, I have I have to take a break from it from time to time just because it's all about timing. And I get so like locked in and wanting wanting to finish every single level perfectly. And there's a couple levels that I still cannot figure out how the hell I get gold time. Because you can't technically advance through much of I think past chapter three of the game. Uh each chapter has like a I think of like ten levels or something in them. But you can't advance past chapter three without going back and getting gold in some of those levels, because the gold in your like drops your rate ranking. Uh, you start at a hundred and you got to go down, and you have to have a certain ranking to open up the next chapter. Sounds like you need to watch some YouTube speedrunner videos, sir. Oh God, no, no, no! But no. the cool thing is, if you try enough, you you gain like experience not experience points, but basically some sort of point system that you gain enough. And it will give you the ability to have a ghost runner, or uh, if you play enough, you also get the ability to turn on level hint. And what level hints do is it kind of gives you an idea of this is if you follow this path, it's quicker. Ah, interesting. So, yeah, pretty solid. Uh, I think Doctor Ryan has it for the Nintendo Switch. I have it for the PC. So many options of where to play your games. Yes, yes. Okay, so um, the the next thing I I heard through the grapevine, and I, I don't, I can't confirm this, but the the lead from uh, Kingsman, uh, which of course I'm blanking out now now on. Um, shit, what is his name? Hold on, I'm going to cheat here. That dude, um, you know, the guy who acts and stuff. Uh, Kingsman. Uh, uh, Taron, 
uh, Egerton, who's also done like he was also the lead in the the um. Oh my gosh! Why? Yeah, I was why, thinking why? of Colin Firth. No, 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 not Colin Firth. I'm talking about the younger guy. Colin Firth, like, uh, what's up, Clark? Um, uh, Taron Egerton, who also did um, Rocket Man. He was, he has, he has an amazing voice. Uh, Rocket Man, of course, was the uh, the biopic about uh, Elton John. I'm trying to think of what else he was in that Celia she probably would have seen. Well, you, of course, you saw the first Kingsman, right? I've seen all. Of, I love the Kingsman. I've seen them all. They're okay, fun. so you know who I'm talking about then. Yes. Okay, so there's a rumor that he has been tagged to be the replacement Wolverine. Interesting. Okay, I can actually see that. I can buy it. I mean, he's got the physical chops because he's done the Kingsman, which requires it. Yep. Um, I mean, they were, when Hugh Jackman originally became Wolverine. It was a bit. I remember at the time, people were like, "Hugh Jackman, Wolverine," because um, he'd done like chick flicks and other shit. So Hugh Jackman at the time was definitely a giant question mark when it came to the Wolverine, like not the Wolverine, but right. Wolverine in general. Um, so I mean, you know, given what he's done with Kingsman and stuff, I'm willing to buy that. Actually, I could see that. Um, so I'll take it because um, those are fun movies. Yeah. And, and to be honest with you, I, I, I personally think he, he could probably a, a younger Wolverine. I, I'm yeah. I, I, I feel okay with that. How many origin stories for Wolverine are we going to get? <laughs> is it like every new actor? Is that kind of the deal? Like almost same thing with like Spider-Man. If you think about like every time you get a new actor for these established comic book characters, it's like, Time for another origin story of the same character that we already have origin stories for. Well, that's just um, that's just Sony Pictures. Actually, no, that's not true. Because uh, who owns the rights, or who owned the rights to uh, Fantastic Four? No, I think X Men was Sony. No, I'm, no, X Men was um, was Fox. Oh, was it Fox? Yeah, X Men was Fox, and Spider Man was Sony, or is Sony, I should say. Um, um, I mean, Fantastic Four was terrible, so I'm gonna guess that. Was yeah, but they Sony. Sony did Fantastic Four, but they and they have redone the origin story a couple times as well, and they've done a shittacular thing. Well, they keep trying to redo the origin story for Fantastic Four because it's terrible every single time. Yes. Well. Yes. Yeah, I mean. You know, I, I they went with Wolverine for so long because it was actually good. So it didn't make sense to redo the Wolverine origin story when people liked what Hugh Jackman and Fox were doing with Wolverine. Although the actual X-Men series got to be a little bit wackadoodle. Yes, I, I, I yeah. time travel and just weird. It took well, when they when they brought in the new class, the new class was actually a really good one ahead of Twitch. Who who does it? Uh, Fantastic Four is now completely Disney. That which would not surprise me whatsoever. Could be. Yeah, I mean, what does Disney not actually own? Even if they're not saying they own it, they do somehow. Oh, I'm, try, I'm trying to remember. There was there was something the other day that uh, that I was like, I wonder who who owns that. I was like, oh yeah, it's Disney. I'm like, son of a bitch. Oh, Disney owns Hulu, right? 
I don't even know anymore. <laughs> I don't know. I remember yeah. Hulu when it started out. It was like it was like all of the media conglomerates owned like a piece of it. That's kind of how it started. Do what? When Hulu started, I mean, years ago, it wasn't just owned by one of them. I felt like all of the media conglomerates owned like a chunk of Hulu back in the day, and that's how they tried to get it started to basically take on Netflix. Because they all saw that what Netflix was doing. So all of the kind of media studios wanted to have a piece of it. Don't surprise me. Um, but I think since then, it's probably been bought up by one company, if I remember right. Kind of like you're saying. Um, but speaking of streaming, did you see what Sony did to the place to, to their store? Please do tell. Um, so as we all know, digital content, do you really own it? Not really. Um, so you own the right to to look at it. Yeah. So, March 2021, Sony said at the PlayStation Store said you would no longer be able to purchase new digital content. Okay, that happens. Whatever. Yep. But now, um, a with um, some of the actual content, even if you had purchased it, not just rented but purchased it, um, you will no longer be able to actually view the actual content um, at all. And this is from the Studio Canal with such series such as um, Apocalypse Now and John Wick and Saw and The Hunger Games and other shows or movies that you had purchased, um, you can no longer see at all through your PlayStation Store. Um, so wait, so that's it's already happened or is it it's about to happen? No, it's not it, like they've announced it's happening by August 31st. So, or sorry, that's when they no longer could purchase it. Um, when is the date you actually can no longer see them? August 31st is when you can no longer buy them, but when did they actually say you can no longer uh, um, see them? I have a solution. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have Sony, uh, Fire up your capture cards, download them onto your hard drives, and then upload them to the cloud. I know it is August 31st, 2022 is when you'll no longer be able to view them um, at all. So, all right. yeah. Capture it, cards, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, no, kind of, I mean, that is, I mean, it's kind of like also you got Ubisoft where they announced um, with a bunch of their titles like Assassin's Creed and the old uh, Far Cries, not just eliminating the... Um, online multiplayer, which that I can understand at least, but there's certain DLCs for the single player DLCs that you won't just be able to download. You won't be able to access at all, uh, which again is pretty much crap. Um, unfortunately, somewhere hidden in the EULA, I'm sure they're within their legal rights, but it still doesn't make it shitty for us, the consumer. Um, that That is a reality of online digital content be it movies through the playstation store or that um that you know your content could go bye-bye for online digital content at basically any time this um, is this is my much. this literally is my fear come come to realization this is why i i i i, I do not like subscription services um because you you know i the, my my least favorite thing to hear when I when I see something is all of your favorite shows bullshit 
because you don't know. I, I have a very a unique taste in shows. And yes. I'm going to be totally honest with you. Some of the shows that I love, I have yet to find a streaming platform that has them. And ironically, you would think since Disney Plus is trying to build up all that stuff, or it continues to build up the stuff, that they would just, please, Disney, if you're listening, Pirates of Dark Water, please. Well, the thing that sucks to Give me, me the whole like, series I mean, of Pirates of Dark Water. We talked a little bit earlier about the um, UK investigating the Microsoft and Activision merger. And it's kind of like if the powers that be, the politicians, actually gave a shit in this context about the consumer, there would actually be consumer, consumer protection laws against this type of thing in that if you – you'll be damned if you purchased – if you click that buy button on a movie and they revoke your rights to view it, that there's some kind of penalty or they have to pay you money or something to basically compensate the viewer or consumer for no longer having access to that content or allow you to way to legally download or some way to basically protect the consumer from this type of crap. Okay. Um, I know you, there's not you, now. It, no, no, no. It, it, this, this crap has not been in our favor since the beginning of Windows, or DOS, I should say. Thanks, Bill Gates, because he never sold you a copy of the game. He sold you the right to access the stuff while you while it's available. Yeah. And this, I mean, th this is what, you know. Um, unfortunately, we have all politicians who are old as shit and don't actually know what this means, and so they just I'm not, don't I'm, I, Politicians and video games do not go together. Unfortunately, or online content in general. Well, that's true. Um, the there was a question that came in, and I just want I want to make sure that I I, I asked this so that it, it um so that it's in everyone's you know noodle here. Uh, what is your favorite console? Now, see, here's my problem. Can I say PlayStation? I mean, um, fuck, um, PC Master Race. Is that a legal answer? Technically, can you plug it into your TV? Yes. So. It is, well, so then you get into, okay, so now we're in the gray area of what exactly is a console. Because to me, in my mind, the way I was growing up was a console is is a game system that you plug into your TV. Now, of course, <laughs> yep. you could plug your computer into the TV, which is why I always had a problem with the fucking Steam box because it's a computer. Um, I think most people, for the context of this conversation, would not consider the PC a console. Ah, uh, Clark says PC is cheating. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think for the, the like the layman's vernacular, I was being sarcastic because yeah, I would agree the PC is not a console. But even to your point, that's actually being blurred with the Steam Deck. Yeah. No. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, now, I, I so but but to make things a little bit crazier. Um, I'm not saying that I would I, I that I condone this, but there's this stuff out there called emulators, mm. uh, and and what they do is they they play that you can put on your computer or on another system, and they play copies of or illegally obtained copies of games most of the time, unfortunately. Um, uh, but in that context, I would say if I were to ever if done emulators i would say super nintendo if i have ever done emulators uh but i would say that my i think my favorite console if if i were to go strictly off of 
uh, size of my game library. It is 100% PlayStation 2. Um, I think most gamers of our generation would probably say PS2. Now, but it's also how do you word it? Because it's, you know, are we wording favorite console in terms of the hardware or the library? Well, yeah, because that's like a nostalgia answer, right? But nobody, well, most people aren't still firing up their, you know, PlayStation 2 to play today. If we're talking favorite console to play right now, then it would be the Switch. Obviously, the PlayStation 5, the Xbox One, or the Nintendo Switch. It would be the Switch for me. Now, uh, if, if we're going strictly in hardware, I would go the original PlayStation 3. The original PlayStation 3, which had hardware emulation so you could play your PlayStation 3 games and your entire PlayStation 2 library. Okay. How much did you actually use the old hardware emulation for the PS2 on your PS3? A lot. I actually went as far as did that that small feature that lasted for just a little bit that allowed you to play... Um, your PlayStation 2 games, hardware emulated, through your PlayStation 3, over your Wi-Fi connection, onto your PSP, okay? Boom. I remember that, actually. What was that? That had a fancy name. I remember what that was called. Yeah, I don't remember what it was called, but I did it. Gosh darn it. I played a lot of my RPGs while utilizing the porcelain god. That's smart. And now I can do it with the Switch. Yeah, exactly. But you could take the Switch with you. <laughs> you don't have to... You're not at the mercy of the PSP doing weird ass shit while you take a shit. No, I agree. I mean, and the Switch, I mean, you look at what um, Valve has done now with obviously the Steam Deck, and mm-hmm. that's, I think, directly because of what the Switch did. I mean, they saw the success um, of what the Switch did. Um, now, granted, the Switch is five years old and is I, kind of a, I'm wondering when we'll see a new version someday. Well, you're going to get a new hardware version to stop the hacking. Well, yes, but it's not actually anything improved for the consumer side of things. Well, it's to, to protect consumers like us oh, good Lord. from the unregulated and virus-ridden world that lies out there. Don't want to throw this bourbon through my microphone, over the internet, through the tubes, onto your face. Mmm, tasty. Mm. No, uh, speaking of Steam Deck, though... Um, like Valve has had to come out several times because of this um, this modder on YouTube showing how to put in a bigger hard drive into the Steam Deck. Mm. It's the same manufacturer. It's literally just like uh, um, what do you call it? It's just one or two up of uh, the you know the 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 version the series. Apparently, if you let that bad boy go for a while you could probably melt your Steam Deck because it requires, like, you know, that extra power. I never yeah. played Yakuza. I've, I know Yakuza. Like, they have, like, there's a tons of them. Um, I've heard they're great games. Yes. Um, just having not played them. Wasn't there, like, a Yakuza-esque game that was also a movie? Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, that's the thing with the Steam Deck. It's basically a fancy Windows slash Linux device. Of course, yep. somebody's going to mod it. Um, that's kind of the fun of it. Apparently, the heatsink just can't keep up with it. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely... But, I mean, think about it. That when you buy like a laptop, that's kind of what you're paying for is not just the small form factor, but in theory, 
it <laughs> being able to keep up the heating necessary and all that fun stuff. Un- until they find out that if you constantly keep your laptop plugged into the power source, the battery right. will explode within a year. Yeah, you don't want to do that with batteries. That's not a good idea. That was actually. Or it stay dead for two years. It's not a good thing either. That's true. That's There's true. like that happy medium. Oh, happy mediums. Um. I mean, can we just have an infinite energy source already? I mean, come on, people. Yeah, just where, where's where's the the true Tony Stark? This, no, where's the where's arc this, reactor? Damn where's it! Where's the saint and Val Kilmer is going to come get us the? Uh, oh, the cold fusion. The cold fusion fix all of our problems. Yeah, exactly. We need some, we need Elizabeth Shue and Val Kilmer on it now. Let's do this. That's such a good movie. I know it is. You know he cho- he he took that one over reprising his role as Batman. Sport move, damn it. <laughs> yes, it was. Although his bat I think it was Batman Forever was the one with him. I actually really enjoyed. He was so happy to do that one, but but then he got really pissed because he wasn't able to really show any of his acting chops because you're in like a latex suit. You could barely breathe. He couldn't even sit down in it. And he was so jealous of uh, Jim Carrey and Tommy Lee Jones because they got to, you know, show us a flair. And he's just like robot walking through every scene. I mean, yes, I will say the two of them definitely did steal that movie. Well, it's a lot easier when, you're not, when you don't have to wear all that crap. <laughs> Fair enough. It's because he didn't have the big um, plastic nipples. Oh, Lord. The plastic nipples. Mm. Okay. So, no, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> you almost got me there, Zelius. You almost got me, but no. It's how you go from being Batman to a master thief of the casino. Bar nipples. Bat nipples. There you go. I was like, bar nipples? What the hell is bar nipples? Oh, yeah, it's bat like, nipples. You know, bar nipples, you know. But we are drinking here. We're adults. Um, well, some of us are adults. Well, some of us are children trapped in adults' bodies. Let's be honest. Are you talking mental or physical age? That's exactly where I'm trying to get to. I never know where we're driving, so that's okay. Oh, boy. So, uh, there's going to be a BlizzCon in 2023. Does it require having a cell phone? I don't think so. I think this is actually going to be, it's going to be physical. Well, did you see how much, uh, I mean, this is why we, the idea of why we can't have nice things. Do you see how much Blizz or um, Diablo Immortal is bringing in? No. Like basically a million dollars a day. Yeah. Wait, why, Clark, why are you saying boo stupid Blizzard for bringing back BlizzCon? So I think it probably, I'm hoping because of Diablo Immortals, why he's booing it. Okay. Um, when you look at that, it's, yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, Could this repair some of the rift between Blizzard or the shell of Blizzard and the fans? Who knows? Well, I'm curious because Diablo 4 is supposed to be coming out too. And based off of the monetary success of Diablo Immortal. <laughs> Clark says, is, because they hurt me. Also, fuck Diablo Immortals. Are they going to basically pivot 
Diablo 4 to basically be a immortal cash cow like Diablo Immortal. Um, Would not I mean, surprise for all Diablo me. 3's faults, which it had faults, don't get me wrong. Um, I'm going to ignore the cash auction house, which they did delete. Um, it was a solid game from a gameplay perspective that didn't milk you for basically your entire life savings versus Diablo Immortal, which is nothing more than a um, casino in the form of killing demons. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's what I'd be curious to see is really where does Diablo 4 go? Um, I don't know. Uh, I'll be keeping an eye on it because nostalgia is a bitch. So I'll be, I'm not buying it day one. That I can tell you, I made that mistake with Diablo 3. Um, but I will definitely be keeping an eye on Diablo 4 to see what does it do. Um, but it's hard though, because I mean, you have other great RPGs. I mean, you still have people still love Path of Exile. You got Last Epoch, which is still constantly in production. You have other um, action RPGs. A lot of people got into Lost Art to kind of fill that MMO RPG void, even though that's a cash treadmill too. Oh, I, I uninstalled that. Yeah, I stopped playing after like it was fun, but it got too repetitive. No, I couldn't. I it, the ping kept getting too high, so I said fuck it, and I never came back. On Lost Ark, really? Yeah, I never had a ping problem. I always had a ping problem. Yeah. Um, so I mean, should probably see a doctor about that, right? Yeah. So I think when Diablo three came out, like that was kind of where he went for RPGs. Mm-hmm. Whereas now it's like there's a lot of competition in the field. So I'd be curious to see what happens with Diablo four. Um, I don't particularly have high hopes, especially because Diablo Immortal. If you played it, it's literally a skin mobile version of Diablo 3. He wants it. Clark wants his necromancer back. There is a necromancer. Diablo 3 and Diablo Immortal both have necromancers. Yeah, but he's not, but but he won't talk about Diablo Immortal. No. Well, I mean, it exists. And Diablo 3 has a necromancer also where he can raise a whole bunch of skeletons and zombies and shit. Mm-hmm. All right, ladies and gentlemen. I've, or you can play Diablo 2, Lord, whatever the edition is. and Lord of, Lords of Hell? <laughs> I think Clark has very strong feelings about Immortal. Yes. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I do want to stop real quick. I want to pause real quick to do to thank the friends of the show. Uh, these are the amazing individuals that help Alter Confusion do. We are friends? Yes, we do. Amazingly enough. Uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, let me tell you about the Indie Cluster. The Indie Cluster is an organization of independent game developers that want to gain exposure by being involved in the community. They collectively journey to popular conferences as a traveling booth to help gain attention for their games. They make partnerships in local communities to bring games to the mainstream mindset. They highlight local, unusual, and rare concepts to challenge the paradigm of the common. They also host events to teach kids and minority groups about game development to hopefully one day enter the industry themselves. For more information, go to IndieCluster.com. That's I-N-D-I-E-C-L-U-S-T-R.com. And apparently they are bringing some indie games to Urban NerdCon in Montgomery, Alabama, July 29th to July 31st. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, the next uh, shout out we have to do, of course, is the one and only Nudaboy Media. 
Founded in 2015 by Andrew Tran, Noodle Boy Media, previously Wet Kid 47 Media, it's your choice for professional photo shoots and panel recordings at conventions. They pride themselves in providing a high level of professionalism, top-notch experiences, and quality services. If you want more information and to view their full list of services, check out facebook.com slash noodleboymedia. The next shout-out, of course, is the, the miraculous man who helps with backs and all kinds of joints in the greater Atlanta area, and that, of course, is Hirokiopractic. Hirokiopractic is a unique healthcare practice set up by Ryan Moore, the company's focus to elevate a patient's experience of freedom, creative expression, and joy. They believe that everyone can be a hero and has incredible heroic potential inside themselves waiting to be unleashed. Hero Chiropractic focus, focuses on mobile chiropractic care in the greater Atlanta area. They are committed to healing clients by creating a plan of action uniquely suited for each person. They make that plan of action as convenient and affordable as possible, and most importantly suited to your individual needs. For more information, go to HeroChiropractic.com. And finally, the man who saved us from some weird-ass lawsuit because people decided we are going to copyright something that wasn't copyrighted, Let's talk about Crosspad Creative. Need a new logo or want to work on full branding and content strategy? Or maybe you need music or audio for your content. Crosspad Creative cre- offers a whole host of solutions for individuals and small businesses. Just email Josh at crosspadcreative at gmail.com and see what he can do for you. Yes. Trying to spice it up a little. Ladies and gentlemen, I do want to point out that if you... that. That there is something that Alter Confusion loves to do every single year. We've been doing it for 11 years, and that is Alter Confusion will once again be participating in Extra Life for the 11th straight year. Extra Life is gamers doing what they do best game to help sick and injured children at their chosen Children's Children's Miracle Network Hospital. The money that we raise through Extra Life will go directly to Children's Healthcare of Atlanta as unrestricted funds. This means that the hospital decides where and how to spend the money to ensure the dollars we raise make the biggest impact in the lives of the kids they treat. So if you have the capacity to donate, please go to extra-life.org and search for Altered Confusion. So much life with Extra Life. Now, ladies and gentlemen, if you're curious as to how you, too, can become a friend of the show, let, let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, Alt Confusion survives on the love and support of fans like you, and so we have a patron, our Patreon. Patreon lets you, fans, lovers, haters, supporters, uh, demigods, d- uh, ghouls, and all a bunch of other people uh, to become active participants in the work we love through a monthly membership. This gives you access to exclusive content, community, and insight into our creative process. In exchange, we gain a bit more freedom to do our best work and the stability we need to build an even stronger creative career. There are currently two different tiers that you can be at. Uh, There's the $1 a month or $12 a year tier, and that, of course, gives you access to patron-only posts, as well as early access to all of our playthroughs. If you want to pump up up just a little more to the $5 a month or $60 a year, not only do you get everything at the $1 tier, but you also gain your name or organization added to the thank you section of every single Thursday night hangout. So, if you want to become a patron, go to www.patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Confusion today. Yes. All right, so the final story that I have is um, the fact that the writer behind Deus Ex has now been signed on 
to be the writer for the the newest upcoming Mass Effect. Are you excited about this? Which sounds awesome. So my question, ladies and gentlemen, is is there an author or out there, you know, the, the ones that write the words on the books? Um, where is Clark and I? Shout out. Ahead, ahead of Twitch. Um, we shall chat after the show about that. Anyways, um, is there currently an author that you think could make the transition over to video games or movies or TV shows? An author? Yes, that you would really like to see. Well, R.A. Salvatore did it. Yes, R.A. Salvatore did, did do it. Well, yes, he did. Uh, Kingdoms of Amalur, the, that whole that whole company closed down afterwards, but yes, he did. Um, and, and technically, I mean, you, you could say, I guess, J.K. Rollins? I mean... Well, I mean, the series, I mean... She did, did she create... But the thing is, Brandon Sanderson, of course, Brandon Sanderson. I mean, that's... Neil Gaiman can 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 do, can do it. Anything. He's done it. Jesus Christ, the man's amazing, brilliant. I actually have wait. I gotta look at the author. Uh, that um, actually fit well into one series. George R. R. Martin. But well, actually, I think he did create something original, other than Game of Thrones. So I'll give one that actually has not been like in a actually cross meetings yet. Okay. Um, the author is Brian McLennan, and he writes it's a series called the Powder Mage trilogy. Powder and basically, Mage. Powder Mage. Mm -hmm. And basically, it's a war series um, about basically mages who use this powder, and it's basically their military campaigns. Interesting. It makes me think of the games like War of Empires and, you know, all these different kind of like war genre type of games. I personally don't play them, mm -hmm. but a lot of people do, obviously. Um and those type of games, I could see him because it already is a very, you know, war campaigny type of series. Yeah. In terms of having, you know, writing kind of that campaign story, um, especially as far as like strategy and that stuff goes. Mm -hmm. um, so that'd be kind of be my author who currently does not do that and doing that. There's another one. Um, there's a 40K Warhammer series. Um, I don't remember. His Do you name. think 40k Warhammer would actually make a good TV show? Do you think it would have to be like rated XXX, not because of sex, but because of the insane amount of graphic violence in these books? Um, if you've never read a Warhammer series, they're usually super graphic, uh, because either you're old school Warhammer where it's like you know, demonic vampires taking over bodies and babies coming out of bellies and shit like aliens, but that's like every other page or you're dealing with the future 40 K. The author I'm thinking of his name is Dan Abnett or Abnot, something along those lines where he's written a number of 40 K um, Warhammer series. That's basically their war campaigns is all they are. Um, it would almost be like if they had a history book about the campaigns of the 40k universe. Um, it is Dan Abnett. 
Abnet. Yep. And again, it's very kind of like the Powder Mage series. It would be kind of like one of those like War Total Earth type of games. Actually, no, it fit well into the StarCraft series because they got like StarCraft with that RTS. It's all about the war, but you still kind of had that single player element with it, with the main character you're leading. And that Abnet series was the same, really the exact same concept where basically, you know, you had these usually small elite recon units dropped into like the middle of some kind of war-torn area and you had like the main character um whose name i'm totally forgetting now um who he was kind of like the lead protagonist um taking on what was going on so i could actually see that well yeah so i could see something like a abnate type of series doing that um because it would be a totally natural fit honestly now I, I will I will say that um, I've I've talked to quite a few authors about this and uh, book writing and like script writing two completely sometimes very foreign concepts, um, but there's definitely there's definitely authors out there that I think that their worlds would be amazing uh, if they were to bring it to TV or movies. Uh, to be honest with you, I think that most authors that whose whose content is worth uh maybe crossing genres should at bare minimum have a mini series and not try to shove it straight into a movie because the unfortunate thing is uh, th there's a very good chance that the movie is going to try to oversimplify things or remove shit because it's going to condense it whereas a mini series you have a chance to maybe show some uh, a little bit more of the the true world and atmosphere and the and the the whole you know group of characters where you're not like this one dude who is very important in the t in in the book series shows up for 15 minutes and gets written off because well it's just too complicated for us to explain what the hell he was all about. I, I mean, I would definitely say it's a mixed bag. Because um, like, take a look at two of the bigger book series that yep. are movies. You have Lord of the Rings trilogy, yep. which is, I think, rightly widely regarded as one of the greatest cinematic trilogies of all time. Um, Gets, there's still fans out there that find so much shit about it, which is interesting. Well, you know what? They can fuck off. <laughs> um, I mean, it's, it, it's also kind of a cinematic miracle in the way it happened. Yep. Um, but then you look at the opposite of that, where then you get what they did with The Hobbit, which was an absolute travesty. Um, and then I would put the, um, Harry Potter series, the movies somewhere in the middle, um, uh, on their own to me, they're entertaining cinematic fair. Um, they're not great. They're not terrible. They're just entertaining cinema to me. But then you even look at kind of your point though, of a television series, right? You know, the most yep. popular television series would probably be. Um, the, um, um, oh my gosh. I keep on thinking the book series, Game of Thrones. Yeah. I keep, I keep, keep telling calling it by the book name. But I'm like, War of Ice of Fire. Yeah. So you got to separate the two and you look at it is, you know, when D and D started out the first like three to four seasons are spectacular. And then it just went to crap after that. 
So I know those are always the argument. And I think it's a fair argument of like, well, you know, we need to take the time to flush it out. And I think movies can be done right or they can be done terribly. The same thing with television series. We've seen television series that can be done really well, like the first three seasons of um, Game of Thrones Mm -hmm. or The Expanse is another one I would say is doing really well as a book series. But then you can also see book series like Game of Thrones that go to absolute trash um, due to various reasons. Or you look at another like book series, like then you see book series that have nothing to do with the books, like um, uh, Sword of Shannara, which had the character names in common, some of the lore, and that's about it. Yep. So you can, yes, I get it. Like, ideally, you're right. We, I think, in an ideal universe for these book series, especially, we're usually talking about high fantasy or sci fi type of series. You would serialize it into a television series, but even then, it's not easy to do right. Well, I mean, that there was there's a there's a phenomenal series by, written by a gentleman by the name of Jim Butcher uh, that, of course, the Dresden Files, mm. and they made it in a TV series, but they changed a shit ton of it. And I think we're we're way outside the spoiler alert here, but the um, the the main female vampire in the books was like mortal enemies with um, Harry Dresden. But in the TV series, for the very short run that it had, they were like forbidden lovers, which was really <laughs> fucking weird. And also, in, in the book, he drives like this piece of crap. Like, I don't even know how it's still holding together VW Bug. But in the TV series, it's a really nice Jeep. <laughs> like, there's just, you know. I think that is, even that, if you take what it is, I think it, there comes a point where it's not even just do you keep to the original storyline versus do you do the stereotypical Hollywoodization yep. where you have to have that, kind of you put it, you have to have that stupid love story you can't have the clunker of a vehicle. You have to be, make him look all cool and suave. That's the funny thing. Deep. He does have a love interest, but they decided to go with someone who is definitely never, ever a love interest. Shit, he killed her. Nice. In the books. Not in, not yeah. in the TV series. So that's where it's tricky to do. That's why usually like when it comes up, like I typically honestly don't want to see most books because I'm a high fantasy reader and my fantasy series I really like, I typically don't want them made into cinema because to me, if I really like them as a book series, I don't feel the need to also then see them in a different medium. Um, if anything, do it like a graphic novel, like um, the gunslinger series did. They turned gunslinger series. Um, for those who don't know, that is Stephen King's seven book omnibus first Three or four, I always get witches mixed up. He wrote, like, at one time in his life, and then, like, 20 years later, he wrote the next three or four. Almost like two different series, but then you had the movie, The Dark Tower, which was trash. Um, But the graphic novels were basically the books, true to the story, in graphic novel form and fun to read. Um, So that type of medium change I'm good with, but I just, like... 
some of my favorite high fantasy series. I just don't want to see as a television series. Would you consider like a book, uh, let's say Lord of the Rings, whatever, if it is made into a graphic novel, would you consider that a media switch or is that? I think it would be. I mean, it's not a heavy media in Swift. I mean, obviously going from like a book to a movie is a far shift. Yeah. Um, but I would say going from a book to a graphic novel is pretty straightforward. Um, I mean, I haven't read many book to graphic novels. I don't know how many they actually are that exist. Mm -hmm. But the ones I have, like the Gunslinger series or Dark Terrier series, those I would imagine are probably going to stick pretty true to the original story because there's not a whole lot of reason to deviate um, versus when you start bringing it into Hollywood and now you get into a whole different level of, you know, corporate politics and you have to change the cinema and all this other stuff. Uh, real quick, uh, the Dark Tower series was, uh, the first one was 1987, then 80, sorry, 82, 87, 91, 87, 90, oh my God, I cannot read. 82, 87, 91, 97, 98, 03, 04, 04, 2012. There you go. And uh, interesting thing about Stephen King, speaking of Stephen King jump, jumping across, he had a short uh, um, story called The Colorado Kid, which then mm. became a multi-season show on sci-fi or we call Sifi, uh called Haven which uh. I never watched the last episode uh, the last season of Haven which I really need to watch but they took a simple concept they changed a couple they tweaked a couple things and and really grew something out but they took something very simple and then built on built upon that world and and really fleshed out which I liked that's actually one of the very few times like okay yes Yes, because they were trying to rewrite history to to fit the the focus groups. Yeah, I mean, I think it worked. Like, even I thought the um, Sword of Shannara series, even though it was totally different, mm -hmm. I still thought this television series was good. Um, I think it was caught in a world of being made by MTV studios where Which it's was like really weird. Yeah. I, I think it was just this weird position. Um, I would almost rather like if they're going to keep, if they're going to create a television series, mm -hmm. either like keep to the story or like totally change it. Three, three sixty. Like they do a short scenario. It's like almost like a different universe. I'd rather them do that than try to kind of keep to the story, but not keep to the story, if that makes sense. That makes sense to me. Yeah, that, that's kind of the route I guess I would go. Um, which is why part of it was that's why the first like three or four seasons of um, Game of Thrones was great. Yeah. I'm trying to see when Colorado Kid came out. Um, I've definitely not even read. The, I didn't even. I think you've mentioned it's a book, but I don't that, ever even did, see it. Okay, I will. I'm trying to remember. You need to find. I think you want to do the audiobook with his his opening about the Colorado Kid, hmm. because or, 
it, it's infuriating. A lot of people did not like the Colorado kid. Let's just put it that way. I I've, I was totally okay with it, but there are some people that were like, that's terrible. Terrible. But yeah. Um, anyways. I sure it's only 184 pages. Yes. Yes, it is. Well, it was, it was for like a, like a collection of, um, detective stories. Ah, uh, yeah, I see. Anyways. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I think we've reached the end of the show, but I want to thank everyone for tuning, but for everyone who's, who participated, uh, now of course, remember if you have any topics or questions or, or subjects that you'd like for us to discuss in the next show, uh, hit us up on any of our social media platforms and we will add it to our list. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to thank everyone for tuning in to the Ultra Confusion Thursday Night Hangout for myself, Charlie and Zelius. It's been a pleasure to get ready to come our heads, our mouths, and of course, our hearts. We'll be back next Thursday for another Ultra Confusion Thursday Night Hangout. Remember kids, keep on gaming in the free world. Amen to that, brother.